Craft Beer Radio, episode 55, October 6, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week, the, we finally get to do a cold show. I'm yes, excited. Yes, get to do a cold show. Thank you to Alex, who sent us a ready-made port show. Yeah, port show, yeah. <laughs> Alex from Portland, he sent us a ready-made cold show. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Yes. What are we going to start with? I wrote her name on the bottles, too. So There you go. Look at that. The, the Sharpie turns out to be useful for something, after all. So I'm proving to the world that I'm not that disingenuous. <laughs> so our first is going to be Shiner? Yeah, we're going to start off with the Shiner. Okay, this is the Shiner Kolsch. It's uh, from the Spotzel, Spotzel Brewery in Shiner, Texas. Uh, of course, we tried their Shiner Bach, and you know our opinion of that one. This is a 3.4% alcohol by volume beer. Uh, summer release, they make 220,000 barrels a year. It's a lot. They're available in Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Kansas, Maryland, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. And this actually won some awards. In the Australian International Beer Awards, it won bronze once and gold twice. Must like the beer in Australia. Yeah, and won the World Built Beer Cup Silver Award and the Brewing Industry International Awards a bronze medal. All right, so the beer pours a perfectly clear, pale yellow, has a uh, wisp of a head left mm-hmm. on top of it. Hmm, and the aroma is... Uh, Kind of, uh, you know, slightly, I guess, fruity. Yeah, you'll get a little bit of fruitiness in a Kolsch because yeah. it's an ale. It's an ale that is uh, fermented and lagered at colder temperatures. So we got the style. Well, let's yeah, let's discuss the style before we actually take our first drink. And the aroma, very low to no malt aroma. That's definitely true. This one, a pleasant, very subtle fruit aroma. <laughs> there you go. Uh, from fermentation, apple, cherry, or pear. Let's see this apple, cherry, or pear. Kind of a, kind of an apple pear. Yeah, kind of an apple pear. Yeah, I can see that. It's desirable, but not always present. A low noble hop aroma is optional, but not out of place. Some yeast may give a slight winey or sulfury character, which is optional, but not a fault. Let's see the flavor: a soft, rounded palate comprising with delicate flavor balance. Okay, let's get to the real stuff. Uh, fruity sweetness from fermentation. Medium low to medium bitterness with a delicate dryness and a slight pucker. Ooh, a pucker. Let's see if we get pucker here on this one. Hmm. Lots of carbonation in this one. I mean, that's for that's really the one of the only things I tasted with that first sip was carbonation. Greg's looking adoringly at the beer. I'm pleased as fudge. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm. You like your beers fizzier. I'm going to swirl this beer a little bit and get some carbonation out because that's all I could taste. I only do like my beers fizzier. Um, well, in the past, when I've said, "Oh, try this beer with less carbonation," you're yeah. like, "Oh, that's not as good." So, you like them fizzier than me. I like them fizzier, and I, I like the way that this, this beer is tasting. I mean, you know, the nice thing about it is it doesn't really have. It doesn't have like it says. No, it's it has no harsh aftertaste. I mean, it seems to be fitting the style guide very well. Yeah, that's, that's certainly what this beer has going for it, where a lot of light lagers, things like that, they have an aftertaste. This one finishes nice and clean. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't really have much of a pucker. This beer only has like 3% alcohol, so I was hoping that 
it wasn't old and had fared well in its journeys. And it certainly tastes like it's doing pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I'm um, I'm very pleased with it. I mean, I, I didn't expect to like it because it's Shiner and we don't like their Bach, but right now, I'm liking this one. A little bit of information about the, the, the Kolsch style. Or maybe pronounced Kolsch. I know uh, on Pacific Brew News, Mark, he spent some time in Germany, and he calls it Kolsch. So we can call it Kolsch or Kolsch. Well, you know, uh, you know my opinion at the sort of... Uh, yeah, you like pronouncing it the American way. You're, yeah. It's kind of silly trying the to sound like a native. of it, because, yeah, it is silly. We... Like I say, people don't go into uh, people in foreign countries don't Americanize words. Gotcha. It's a, a style of beer that's native to the city of Cologne, which is pronounced which is Köln in mm-hmm. German. So that's where Kolsch comes from. It's a. Uh, it doesn't really say why in this write up why it has to do with that city, but typically beers were brewed around cities, you know, before. Water chemistry mm-hmm. in modern times because of the the type of water was suited to a certain type of beer. And maybe in like in certain parts of the world, you know, the yeasts that are native to the area are what, what helped define the beers too. So this was a uh, beer was suited to brewing in Cologne. There you go. Now it says here that these are typically served in tall, narrow 200 milliliter glasses called a stange. Uh, now we're drinking these in, in. You know, when uh, I was getting ready for the show, I was like, I should check the glassware on this one because it's probably something different. And I got sidetracked and forgot. So before we do beer number two, we'll go get the uh, the Pilsner glasses. You have them? I guess Pilsner glass will work. Yeah, right now we're in pint glasses, yeah. which we normally use. And these, uh, we're drinking this very cold. Is that the way it's intended to be drinking? It should be drank. I don't have it on this sheet, do I? I would assume this one would be in the low 40s mm-hmm. for this style of beer. Because it's lagered, it should remain cold. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing I really like about this beer is it's, it's clean. You have a fruity, um, somewhat almost like flowery taste with flowery fruity taste with a, a very mild amount of bitterness, and then it just sort of finishes very clean. Yeah, forty to forty-five is the recommended serving temperature for this beer. Drinking them out of the proper glass, or the strange, or the cylinder, you're really going to have a hard time getting your nose in there to smell the aroma. Mm-hmm. Where that's maybe one bonus here, so we can see what aroma there is using this pint glass. I think there's a little bit of um, of that vinous smell, the whiny grape-like smell that can be in this style. It's it's Just very very small. This doesn't really have. Maybe it's the sulfury that I'm confusing, but it it yeah, it's very. It's hard to pick out exactly what it is because it is very mild. Mm-hmm. This is a mild beer. This is a very drinkable beer. This is a beer that would definitely go on your list of good summer beers to drink. We're drinking the Shiner Kolsch. A little bit more information about the the Spotzel Brewery. The brewery started in 1909 by German immigrants. The brewery was named Spotzel after the brewer who ran the brewery for a long time, like 40 years, when his death happened in 1950. Um, And the really cool thing is they have a... A nifty flash timeline on their website. Mm-hmm. It ends in 2003 with the milestone of Shiner Light. What a milestone that would be. Yeah. Shiner Light. Amazing. So you can see what they're celebrating there. But let's, uh, let's cover a little bit of email, shall we? Sure. <clears throat> An email from Paul. Paul says, The reason for this particular email is to clue you guys in on one of the best cheeses in the USA, at least in Paul's opinion. 
Port Reyes Farmstead Cheese Company makes one of the best blue cheese I've ever had. It's not easy to find, unfortunately. I don't know if you have Whole Foods out in Schittsburg, as he calls it, but they carry it from time to time. I thought I'd let you guys know since you share my passion for good cheese. We do like good cheese. Sounds jealous. Yeah. What's up with that? Don't don't call it Schittsburg. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, I guess we call it his Point Reyes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese. I'll look for it. I like blue cheese. I kind of like some of the other uh, milder cheeses more. I'm a big fan of blue cheese, but I guess I haven't really gotten into it enough to really tell the difference. I mean, we can tell. as long as the blue cheese doesn't suck, it tastes... I, I like know. a good creamy blue cheese. Okay. I don't like it to be too tart. I, if I want to go for something that far, I want to go in towards the Gorgonzola area. Okay. I guess I need to do a whole blue cheese tasting to taste mm-hmm. the nuances between I guess them. Gorgonzola is, I think it is a type of blue cheese, technically, but I enjoy Gorgonzola cheese. But I don't overdo it on those. They're really good on pasta. Pasta with Gorgonzola and, uh, like, a spaghetti, Gorgonzola, and... Sun-dried tomatoes, oh, okay. a little bit of olive oil, and, and fresh garlic. Sounds tasty. Unbelievable. Sounds real tasty. So we got an email from Eric here. He um, he li- said some very nice things about the show and had some criticism. Yeah. Told me to start remembering who sent the beer. <laughs> Thus, you know, there was a big start, backlog yeah. of beers that got lost, you know, who sent them. And I was apologizing a bunch of shows in a row. And he just had to make sure. And I already knew that. And I've been marking on every bottle. So thanks for that feedback, Eric. Yeah, I like this one. Greg, you sound like such an effing dick sometimes when you flat out say something is wrong or stupid uh, or whatever when you obviously don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, I, I do admit that I have strong opinions, and I will uh, say whether something is wrong or stupid, and I will back it up. I assume that Eric is talking about things in the post show, in particular my opinion on string theory and stuff like that. That is my assumption. He didn't actually go into what it was that I was so wrong about uh, when I obviously when I obviously don't know what I'm talking about. I don't really know what what else would clarify because I mean yeah I'm not an astrophysicist I'm not a physicist and I'm talking about string yeah, theory. Like I, I, know uh, what's going on. I emailed him back trying to get an idea of what just so we know so we could discuss it in the post show or something, but he didn't get back to us in time. But he says, um, but I guess you pissing me off makes me have emotions about the show and that's good. So mm-hmm. I won't go on and on about it. <laughs> And that's true. If I can piss everybody off, we'll have so many listeners. <laughs> At least once. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eric, uh, for also, he, he did a lot of uh, stuff to praise us, too. He, he did a lot of... Uh, yeah, the um, the Greg is an effing uh, dick came out of, like, nowhere. Yeah. Again, right? You're like, whoa, where'd that come from? So you're liking this Shiner Colche? Mm-hmm. I am. I gotta admit, Shiner has a good one here. Okay. Well, we'll see how it compares to the others, though. Yeah, yeah. I can really taste a little bit of that Granny Smith apple flavor there. Okay. Very cool. Sour, tangy, you get kind of from when you eat a Granny Smith with the skin on. Right. We got an email from Steve who says, Congratulations on not having every single beer skunked anymore. We, we're feeling the excitement here, yeah. Yeah, we went through a, a low time. It was, it was a dark period for craft beer radio. <laughs> I, do you, can you get skunked by the Harvest Moon this out tonight? That's a big moon. So here's an email from Laura. I went to Cafe Dalsas in New York, or Dalsas, we're not trying to pronounce that, for dinner, and because of the beer selection. I love a good pairing with beer. I had the beer sommelier recommend a triple Trappist with my white fish, and it was amazing. So it was a good nod to Cafe Dalsas. Triple with fish. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds yummy. Uh, also, I had another pairing of Weyerbacher Imperial Pumpkin Stout with some pumpkin pie, and it was amazing. I highly recommend you guys try this combination, perhaps even Thanksgiving dinner. I'll tell you what. We're going to do a pumpkin show. Let's buy a pumpkin pie. The last beer, we'll sort of we'll have a taste of pumpkin pie okay. with it and just see if... Yeah, I wasn't really planning on doing a pumpkin show this year, but I guess we can grab some just oh, for Oh, come the... on. It's a pumpkin show. That's going to be the same ones we had last year, just about. There are a couple others, aren't there? No? Not many, no. Hmm. Maybe we can do it in a post show or something. We'll like, get a pumpkin beer and try a piece of pumpkin pie. That'd be awesome. All right, our next beer is Pyramid Kolsch from Pyramid Brewery in Seattle, Washington. Curveball Kolsch. It's the what Kolsch? Curveball. Curveball Kolsch. Baseball theme. I like it. In the spirit of uh, the playoff game tonight. 4.8%. It's a summer release. 123,100 barrels. I like they add the extra 100 on there. Uh, Pyramid started in 1984. They have pubs in Seattle, Sacramento, Berkeley, Portland, Walnut Creek, but they also distribute their beer in Alaska, Arizona, California, Idaho, Illinois, Kentucky, Minnesota, Nebraska, Nevada, New Mexico, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Washington. Okay, so we got these poured in the proper glassware this time. We got these uh, Vorsteiner... Uh, Pilsner glasses, so it's close enough. That actually smells a little kind of malty. Or has a little bit of sort of a breadiness to it, which is not desirable, I think, in the aroma. Yeah, I think there's a little more malt there. Should have very low to no malt aroma. I don't know. Would you characterize this as very low, or would you characterize this as sort of medium? I mean, I characterize this as significant well, enough to really, notice. Is it really malt, or is it? Well, that's a malt. Yeah, like well, it's uh, maybe this. Well, it could be the sulfur. Sulfur is in there, right? Yeah, sulfury character. So, sulfury character. A slight sulfury character. Well, it is slight. It's not overwhelming like some of those beers we had in the past. I would classify that as the slight sulfury character, actually. Okay. It's uh, like the other ones. It's, it's a yellowish slash orange. It's a little bit darker in color. Yeah, the other one was uh, kind of pea-colored. This one's a more orange. <laughs> pea-colored? Well, it was. It was, it was really pea-colored. The color of urine. Yes. <clears throat> well, let's see what this tastes. Kind of a little more of an upfront carbonation, I feel at least. Uh, it's not as fruity as a Shiner. No, it's not. It doesn't have those same kind of characteristics. It actually, it just it has tastes a bit of a, uh, that. Hmm, what's that? It leaves this dry pucker, the pucker that they mentioned, like in your mouth, and like. It's hard to. Say, it's weird to say a pucker on your tongue, but it's that puckering sensation laying on my tongue in the aftertaste. But it's a pucker that is. It, do, it doesn't taste so much like a fruity pucker. It's more of um, kind of a sandy pucker, if you can think of it that way. It, it feels a little bit like I don't know. It it, it feels a little particulate. It doesn't feel necessarily like it's coming from a particular distinct kind of fruity 
flavor. These beers don't cellar very long. They're meant to be drank fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can oxidize rather quickly, I was reading. Uh, so, yeah, certainly if you get the cold shows, you want to drink them fast. And that's one of the reasons we fast-tracked to this show. Uh, it's getting to be the end of summer. We finally got the Kolsch's in, and we kind of put them to the head of the line once they came in. Right. Okay, so more. this is my third or fourth taste. I started to taste a little bit more of a fruity character. This is the Pyramid Curveball right. Kolsch. But it's still not the same as the Shiner. It, it's kind of... Like, it's a little bit on the sugary side, fruit-wise, as opposed to more sour. So it kind of feels... It doesn't quite um, have as much of a dryness to it. Yeah. It's a little more malty, a little more sugary, like you said, than the, the Shiner Kolsch, which was a nice dry one the whole way through. It's okay. But it would not be what I would point to when I sell, tell someone, you got to try this Kolsch. Listener John invited us down to Austin, Texas. If we're ever in town, give him a call. He's telling us about a couple of the beer or beer bars that were in town. They have the Draft House, 78 beers on tap. Wow. And then also the Ginger Man Pub, 80 beers on tap. Uh, How do you get through this? I would have never thought that. Um, you, know, you just don't picture that when you picture Texas, you know? So that's pretty cool. And speaking of so many beers on tap, I was at the Sharp Edge Beer Emporium the other day. They have 50 taps right now. 50? They're doubling it. Whoa. They, they have 50 taps. They turn every keg on average into, at least in two weeks. The Beer Emporium, is one, that's one in Oakland? In Friendship. Oh, Friendship. It's out in that area. But yeah, they're putting 100, you're going to have 100 taps there. <laughs> Gotta go there more often. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many of those are going to be Belgians? A lot. <laughs> right now it's half of them. 25 Belgian taps. That's amazing. It's <laughs> definitely amazing. And people still call this place Schittsburg. <laughs> 25 Belgian taps, people. Put that in your goblet and drink it. I like it. We should start using that. We're not going to start using that. Yeah, this is an email from Brian. He talked about, we, we made a comment, one of us made a comment about how, you know, when brewers are at festivals, they don't really look at it as a competition. They look at it as they, they're just sort of sharing their craft with everybody, including other brewers. And they're really excited to see what other brewers are doing. And he says he's a brewer working for a small craft brewery in Edmonton, Alberta. And he agrees. He says when he does beer festivals, he tries the beers of other brewers, and he doesn't try to judge them or see how the competition is doing. He says, I think the best thing about the craft beer industry is that brewers don't seem to work against each other. I know our brewery has helped out many other small breweries in the area and have helped by and have been helped by others as well. It's just cool, he says. Uh, you know, there's lots of sharing in the industry. And we just had the Great American Beer Festival last week. And mm-hmm. I'm sure when you go there, you see all kinds of camaraderie. All the brewers getting together to hang out at the closed sessions and things like that. You know, it's, it's not a war. I mean, well, even we saw... Well, we didn't see, but we heard on the, the Hop Harvest Tour, even the big guys that work with the smaller yeah. guys to do things. So, Which is something I didn't expect. I didn't expect Anheuser Bush to be working with you know, Pyramid, Sierra Nevada, and, Sierra Nevada and, and Pyramid and things like that. So that was kind of interesting. Well, you know, they may have to work together even more because of this news story that came out. Let's all bow our heads in silence as we lost 4% of the U.S. hop crop. Bow your heads. Okay, that's enough. Federal investigators were set Tuesday to begin an investigation into a fire that ruined about 4% of America's yield of hops. 
Now, the fire started, uh, let's see, at a warehouse owned by S.S. Steiner Incorporated, which is one of the four largest hop buyers in the Yakima Valley of central Washington. Well, by mid-afternoon, flames engulfed most of the buildings, sending up plumes of smoke and a pungent aroma. Oh. I wonder what burning hops smells like. I wonder if it's good or bad. No. It could be a very sad aroma. Uh, 10,000 bales of hops. You know those bales we saw? Yeah. The ones that were 200 pounds of hops? 10,000 of those. Gone. <laughs> Ruined. Either burned or water damaged. Uh, I was talking with some people. You see a lot of... This This news story, this isn't the first time you've heard it, most likely. Every other podcast mm-hmm. has talked about it. It's all over Beer Advocate. And people are acting like it's going to be a huge deal. And I'm not really sure if it's going... Well, yeah, it's 4% of hops. It's a lot of hops that are burned up. But, you know, I guess it depends on the hop. If it's Cascade, it might just hurt a little bit. Yeah. If it's all Amarillo... That's probably most of the Amarillo crops. So, you know, it could be a problem if it's one of the newer, right. you know, not as big hop strains. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how it really affects the industry this year. If some beers are not going to be produced because of it, that that would remain to be seen. That would mean there, had, there would be an active shortage of a certain type of hop. The great hop shortage of 2006. Now, even, even if there's a shortage, obviously, you could simply buy them for more money and it would cost more. But that's the point where the brewery says it's going to cost us too much to make this particular batch. Right. What can we sell it for, et cetera. So, I don't know. Yeah, like you say, we'll see if it has any effect. It's just sad to see hops go go to waste. Yeah. Apparently, you know, it's... Yeah, imagine... My hops are on fire. No! I, I emailed Scott from East End Brewing Company. I'm like, you know, I think you might be able to find a good deal on some uh, soggy uh, smoked hops. <laughs> That'd be interesting, smoked beer. I've heard people discussing smoked hops before, and uh, I don't remember the outcome, but I don't think it works very well. That's an interesting try. But yeah, I mean, that's just a lot of carbon smoke and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's not like uh, like Alderwood. Right. So the uh, any more uh, things to say about this gi- or the uh, the pyramid, pyramid curveball curve ball here? Well, I'm starting to get a little bit of fruitiness kind of around the edges of my tongue, but okay. it doesn't really have the same kind of punch that the Shiner had, or the drinkability. Yeah, the Shiner was so drinkable. This one just it kind of the, the the carbonation stays around a little bit longer, stays a little bit more prickly, and that kind of sandy, like I say, particulate end to it. Even though it's you know it's, it's a liquid, but the kind of feel to it at the end on your tongue it doesn't it isn't quite as appealing. I got a cute nice little story for you here. I went down went downstairs to my beer fridge Wednesday morning to uh, to grab some beers because I was going to go brew, which I'll talk about in a moment here. And the fridge door was open. I'm like, oh darn, because <laughs> uh, the keg was leaning against the door and pushed the door open. It had to be open for a long time. The light bulb was on. All the mm-hmm. beers around the light bulbs were hot. Mm. One of the beers, one of Keith's homebrews, the bottle exploded from the added heat, pressure from the heat. Whoa. So I got a mess to clean up in my fridge. God knows how many oxidized skunked beers I have now from this light bulb inches away shining on them. Oh, man. So it could be the great hop or beer loss of 2006. Oh, that's not a funny story. That's even worse than the hop story. Yeah, it's... Any good ones that you're planning on using? There, there's a... Well, it's a top shelf where I put all the show beers. But I'll have to try them. But you know the Sam Adams uh, Brewer Patriot Pack that we have planned to do—they might have got a little too hot. Oh. So 
We'll have to see. No, no, no. Well, on the bright side, I bought those from Bevmo, and they could have been abused ahead of time, so we can just blame it on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so any way to get the Sam Adams uh, thing again? Probably can still get it, yeah. I think so. I'm going to look for that again. So, yeah, I was so bummed. And now I, there's, it's still wet in there. I haven't moved the bottles to clean up the exploded double That's IPA. So that funny. It exploded. I can't believe the bottle bomb went off. It was hot, though? I mean... The, the, the next the bottles were hot that were near the, around the light bulb. It almost makes How wonder. powerful was a light bulb in there? Well, it was on for 24 hours or something like that. And the fridge just wasn't able to keep up. It makes me want to take the light bulb out of the fridge, actually. <laughs> or at least cover it up with something. It just put off a lot of heat over time, so... Oh, well, that was my sad story for It's an incandescent, right? It's not fluorescent, so it'll... Yeah. It's not picking up as much UV. Right. Well, that's one of the things I thought. Yeah, yeah it's an incandescent light bulb, so... I'm trying to figure out how much skunking we have to worry about. I think oxidation is going to be the bigger enemy. Those beers that got warm. Beers on the bottom shelf were still cool enough, but the ones on the top shelf were kind of warm, so... Were they yeah. warm or hot? Well, the necks were hot. The necks were the hot? The necks of the bottles were hot. I don't know how hot the beer was inside, but... <sighs> yeah, I oh, know. That sucks. Oh, well. Makes me want to bungee, bungee cord the door shut, too. Yeah. Our next beer is the Hales Kolsch. Hales Ales, Seattle, Washington. This was a one-time release. Um, I found... I think it was a one-time release. Both Beer Advocate and Rapier had a little bit... Differing information on this one. One of them called it the Kolsch 45, but that's not listed on here at all. <laughs> but it had this label. They called it, Great Beer called it Kolsch 45, but had this uh, Hales Genuine Kolsch label. So. You know, what, since it's a brew pub, they might have brewed it again and changed the name. Could be. It's a brew pub, and the stuff is available in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. This is a. Uh, 22-ounce bomber. So we got a lot of beer. Get the fill of these Vorsteiner glasses. Nice. It actually is uh, a little hazy and a little bit uh, clearer. Looks almost like a wit beer. Yeah. Because it, it, it's hazy, but it also has kind of a, a whiteness to it that, you know, a lot of the white wit beers have. Yeah, kind of a white highlight to it. Ooh, okay. Now I'm definitely smelling something kind of tart grapey, maybe? Grape? I thought my first aroma might have been lemon. But no, not anymore. It's certainly a a grapey. Smells good. It does smell good. Mmm. Very floral. Floral has certainly good hopping there to it. Light, a very light kind of texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hops certainly come through in the flavor. That's what I know. It's more about these, this, and the other one. Uh, even in the mid, little f- brush of hops came through my tongue. Yeah, and then, definitely getting back of your tongue. You're getting some hop bitterness. Uh, kind of. I wonder what what hops are being used here. These don't taste like noble hops. Yeah, there was there wasn't any information about this beer on the website. And the flavor, the fruitiness is, hmm, it's kind of... There's a lot of esters there. Yeah. Like it fermented warm, like warmer than the other ones. Or or the yeast, you know, Hales might be using one of their normal, uh, a different yeast, 
that gives off more esters than normally. It's almost a peach flavor. A light peach. Yeah, yeah, that's from definitely from the esters, but it kind of does come across like a peach, especially mixed with the other aspects of this beer. And then also the alcohol comes through, too. This is the uh, Hales Ales Genuine Kolsch. This is really good. Mm. Since there was no information on the website, let's see if the bottle label gives us anything. I know that's a slacker way to go, right? But nope, nothing. Crystal I will say and refreshing. It's I, I wouldn't say it's as drinkable as the Shiner. The Shiner probably was a little bit more drinkable, but this is more complex. Right, certainly. I would definitely agree with that. There's also a slight bit of riny taste to it, kind of like a, a lemon rind or something like that. And it may throw you off a bit, but I think it kind of it works in the context of what's going on here. But it's a little extra bitterness. Right. And it also may come from uh, the hops as well. Right. Got an email from Robert who went to the Great American Beer Festival and wanted to let us know. It was awesome. Thanks, Robert. No surprise there. <laughs> he uh, went to breweries like Breckenridge Wine Coop, Flying Dog in the afternoons. I went to the festival sessions in the evening. This is awesome. Wonder, wandering around recognizing breweries he has heard from our show, namely the Yards and Russian River, which both had really great stuff. That's cool. I'm glad he uh, enjoyed our... You know, yards especially, since you know a lot of people out in Denver probably can't get it. He also got to try his first shower beer. Another dogfish, but for life of me, he can't remember his name. Maybe an O'Carant? No, Fascina Lenta. Oh, Fascina Lenta, okay. Definitely a shock, but also very good. You guys talk about sour beers all the time. I was skeptical, but now I'm a believer. Yes, sour beers, we love them. Alaskan Brewing Company was pouring smoked porter vintages from 1993 to today. <sighs> Oh, that must have been amazing. That's the plane ticket alone. I know. Um, that, that's ridiculous. That And he also said the 2003 Worldwide Stout was a very memorable beer for him. Was that the one with the 21%? The may have been. With some years on it, it might have improved. But the you know, the ones I've had, the 18% has been better. But with some years on it, that might have improved. So, well, thanks for rubbing it in, Robert. We'll be there for the, the meager 26-year anniversary, hopefully. That's it for email, huh? Uh, well, Scott had an email. He, he talked about the the bar noise in our last show. He said that uh, the noise was very minimal and not distracting. It was a nice change of pace from the normal studio show where we have the empty sound of silence behind us. Right. It, it was kind of fun doing the, the live show. It was kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, kicking, packing you had to pack studio. all that stuff and bring it you over. Had to pack up the studio. Um Show costs a lot more mm-hmm. than it normally costs. We used your donation, so thank you. But still, you know, we left the, the Creek House with a $90 bill. So, And he also mentioned about the sour beer tasting. He says he would prefer us to do multiple at once so we can really start to really understand differences between sour beers. Everyone said that. So yeah. we're definitely going to be doing a sour show. So, yeah. That's the way it looks. So thank you, everybody, for the emails. And continue sending us more emails at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Continue to go to our website. Leave us comments at craftbeerradio.com go to our frapper map f-a-f-r-a-p-p-r dot com slash craftbeerradio just go to the link on our website and uh, send us email just we, we like getting the feedback and uh, hey you want to do what beer am I? yeah let's do what beer am I okay there's no papers we gotta go to the screen here alright 
There we go. Last week's What Beer Am I was Petal Pale Ale from East End Brewing Company. <laughs> uh, Greg thought it was uh, absurdly easy, but we had some several people well, who guessed Fat Tire. When you mentioned it, you know they're going to give out the... <laughs> we had several people who guessed Fat Tire. Really? So I don't think they listened to every clue, but that's why we're tricky. Last week's winners were Barry, Tom, Michael, Brian, Scott, Heath, Chris W., Ryan, Chris N., Jack, Troy, Stephen, Drew... I already ran the uh, the random number chooser on my uh, computer here, and I picked number one, Barry. Barry. So, Barry, if you're listening, send us an email with your address. And I'm going to change the rules up here. You know, if people giving me the addresses with their guesses, but it's kind of, I don't want to uh, run back through and have to find uh. it. So just send me a new email with your address. That's the new <laughs> rule. And also, if you don't send in your email in like a week or so, a week and a half, we just keep moving down the list. I'm not being that strict yet, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, certainly please send me another email if you uh, if you happen to have already done so. It'll be easier for me to keep track of uh, the winners. Uh, this week's clues, and remember, the guesses go to wbai at craftbeerradio.com. That's just a short for what beer am I? This week's clues: I'm a limited edition single batch beer. I have more than a dash of dry-hopped Zotz hops. I am proud to follow in my grandpappy's footsteps 25 years later. So if you have a guess for this beer, send it to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. That allows Greg not to see your guesses. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since I'm compiling the emails now, it makes it a lot easier. Certainly. Hey, you want to talk a little about the Great American Beer Festival? Well, um, yeah, we have a whole listing here of what won. I saw you got some highlighted beers. I highlighted just some stuff that was interesting to me. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff here that I haven't tried, haven't seen. Yeah, last year I tallied up how many beers I've tasted, and it was only a fraction. Yeah. It seems more and more, even like this year, even over last, that there's a lot more um, special beers for the fest that Mm -hmm. are entered and winning. Or uh, small breweries I just haven't heard of. Yeah. You can't get here. And then it just shows the industry is growing. Uh, see, Denver Pale Ale, uh, great divide brewing company. I, I think we didn't like that so much. No. Uh, well, that, compared to the other beers, it's one of their like boring offerings. That one bronze for classic English-style pale ale. Um, some of these we don't, didn't have a gold. Like the Baltic-style porter, there was no gold entry on the list. I don't know why that would happen. I thought there was like typos in this list when I was looking through it. That might have been one of the ones that had a typo. I was uh, looking through the website where you can choose different yeah. categories. Uh, Miller cleaned up with like ten or thirteen winners. Hmm. They won like Red Dog for the or yeah Red Dog for the best cream ale and Colt Forty Five for the best malt liquor. So, huh. <laughs> One well, interesting thing in the German-style wheat ale, the bronze winner was a Berliner Weiss from Bethlehem Brew Works in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That's awesome. Berliner Weiss. We're going to have to head out there. Yeah. How far is that? That's got to be near Pennsylvania. Uh, near, uh, near Philly. It's Philly, like yeah. six hours or something like that. Um, uh, I know Media. Media Pennsylvania is near Philly, and they won for Imperial Stout, the Russian Imperial Stout from Iron Hill Brewing Restaurant. So that's pretty cool. Lots of... Um, yeah, some of these categories had lots of entries. 50, 60 entries. Let's see, where's IPA? That probably had one of the most. 
58 entries in wood and barrel-aged strong beers. I'm sure that category is a lot bigger than normal. Yeah. Can you imagine judging that category? Oh, it's, my God. <laughs> how can you... I, I, I don't even know how you can drink. Even 58 tasting is a beer. You get pretty drunk they off They have that. different flights. So, yeah. you know... You know, different tables taste, you know, 10 beers, and then the winners, top several, go to the next table, and, and they work their way up. But that's a crazy number of beers to be tasting in a In terms of fruit fruit and vegetable beers, the gold winner was Belgian Red for New Glarus Brewing Company. That's, uh, that's a Flanders Red, right? No, uh, I, it's a cherry beer. Uh, and the silver went to Blue Moon Chardonnay Blonde. Blue Moon, as in uh, Coors Blue Moon? Mm-hmm. I was curious about that. I, was, I assumed that was the same Blue Moon. But Blue Moon sure. Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I think that's Coors. Hennepin from Omegang got a bronze for the Saison. Another Coors one that won in the Bohemian-style Pilsner, the, Sh- the Stolen Pils from the Sandlot Brewery. This I thought was interesting. I was like, how did Storm King win the European Dark Mute? Uh, Munich Dunkel Lager and well it's Storm King from the Glenwood Canyon Brewing Company in Glenwood Springs Colorado so that's how uh, Age Beer Worldwide Stout won from Dogfish Head Sam Adams Oktoberfest won Best Oktoberfest mm-hmm. which is uh, inter- kind of interesting for me because I never realized it was such a popular beer until I heard all the buzz about it this year I heard so much buzz about Sam Adams Oktoberfest this year and there it is top of the list Head uh, of the winner from last year, the Michael Mertzen. And our favorite category, American style lager. <laughs> Pabst. Pabst Blue Ribbon, PBR. They won Best Large Brewery of the, Best Large Brewery of the Year as well. It's, it's interesting that those categories are always changing because the beers are not. That's sort of the hallmark of all these beers they don't change right so the and they keep switching changing. their order so uh, yeah it's weird so we're drinking the Hales Kolsch right now this beer is um it's very enjoyable mm-hmm. I mean with the the complexity to it again not so drinkable though yeah I mean enjoyable but not drinkable and some people might think that doesn't go together but it's one where particularly in a beer in a style that's supposed to be drinkable like right. the Kolsch but it's, it's so it's so, com- it's so complex there's so much to it that it's actually changing a bit as we're drinking I mean other beers do too but right uh, this one is changing it's getting a little bit less rindy a little bit more fruit forward right what I mean by you know take a sip and it's enjoyable to go through those flavors but then I'm not anxious to take another sip. Mm-hmm. The most drinkable. Well, I don't want to get into ranking just yet, so skip that. I don't know. I mean, we could read this list all night long. No one yeah. really cares, so let's not waste too much time on this list. I'm just, I, I was looking for other ones that really caught my eye, and I'm just surprised that there's so many that I haven't heard of. Right. I mean, you, you think that we've tried a lot of beer, we've had a lot of beer. I expected to see a lot of names I've, I've heard of, and not a lot. Well, here's the Belgian-style sour ale. This is interesting. La Folie from New Belgium Brewing Company. Nice. That was gold. Beatification from Russian River Brewing Company was silver. That we got to try. Beatif- I wonder if they use beets. Uh, no. Beatification is, um, they name all their beers something Asian. And the one I have in the cellar, Sanctification. Oh. And we're, our sour show is going to be La Folie, Sanctification, uh, La Roja from Jolly Pumpkin, and something that escapes me right hmm. now. So and Festina Lente from Dogfish is the silver. So. Yeah, I had that beer at, the, uh, at an open house tasting I was at, and that was pretty good too. Nice sour beer. 
Yeah, I think we'll have a link to the PDF on our page for this so you can get a look at the entire listing. Plenty of the Elder One, uh, best double IPA I again. Guess it, yeah. All right, that's enough time. Everyone's probably looked at this list already. So let's throw that through the window. <laughs> let's see, let's see. News and worth There was, news. I think, one more news story. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, an old story that uh, sales of craft beer up. That I think it was an old story. Yeah, that came out yeah. a while ago. Listen to uh, the new episode of Basic Brewing Radio. He has an interview. He talks with... Um, he was with Jim Cook when they announced the winners of the Longshot Homebrew Competition. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty interesting. Yeah, he did talk to Jim Cook because he asked him about some of the recipes. One of the recipes was a, um, a barley wine brewed with a Calif- or Colorado clove honey. So if that would have won, he would have like, come up with Colorado clove honey, which wow. might have been difficult for production. But uh, yeah, great insight about the home, the long shot competition. And uh, James Spencer got to talk with Jim Cook. Well, that's pretty cool. So See, if we can get an interview with him, I'd like to talk to him. Check out that podcast. That's great for James Spencer. So you just poured your coach into the pint glass. Is that because you want to move on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because this is taking a while to do. All right. Well, I'll do the same. But I want to save it. I don't want to just pour it out. So. Well, we're at the last beer right now, so we got Alaskan Summer Ale from Alaskan Brewing Company in Juneau, Alaska. I am envious of all you guys who can get Alaskan beers. You are in Alaska, Arizona, California, Idaho, Nevada, Oregon, or Washington. Can you get smoked porter in those places? Yes. If you ask really nicely right now, we might find some smoked porter arriving at our doorstep this winter. Oh, please, please, please. We will write your name on the bottle. (laughs) 5.0% alcohol by volume, a summer release, 80,000 barrels. They're relatively big here. 1983. Yep. Hey, those Alaskans drink a lot of beer in the winter. Mm -hmm. Nothing else to do but go put on your snowshoes and go to the pub and drink some beer. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing warms you up quite like some alcohol in the belly. So it's less fruity than the hail. A lot less fruity. You got that tartness, that vinous, that kind of grapey wineness. But I'm still picking up. I'm picking up some malt here, kind of like the the pyramid. A little bit of dentist office. <laughs> dentist office. I don't detect that, but I did. I did detect a slight fruitiness and a little bit of maltiness to it too. I'm not sure exactly. It's kind of that. Yeah, it's den- the dentist office smell. The, I don't know if it's... The auger they use to put your teeth no, in No, it's the, not the rotten, it's uh, not the rotten tooth smell. It's the, it's the sweet, um, it's the toothpaste or the cleaning solution or the fluoride or, I don't know, it's just something that permeates the dentist office when you sit down in the chair. Here we've gone full circle back to drinkable. And a little fruity with... More of kind of a malt undertone to it than uh, the Shiner. This has, you mentioned undertones. This has a great series of undertones throughout. A backbone, maybe, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Let's see if I can follow it through, but it just comes to an impression where it's a, it's a low underneath type flavor the whole way through. See, it's coming to me again... I think a little too sweet, a little too 
malty for the style. I liked the the freeness that was coming through on the hails and the shiner. And this is less fruity, a little bit more malty. The free tones are muted more. Right. I'm trying to pick out... I, mean, I can get malted lagers all the time. <laughs> malty lagers is easy to find. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the baseline on this beer, if you will. It's, you know, it's just... That's where almost all the beer is on the... All the, you yeah. know, the interesting mm-hmm. flavors are on this beer. It's in the, the baseline. And you got the the melody up high, and, you know, just kind of... Carbonation is the main thing you pick yeah. out of that one. That's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, because you feel kind of almost heavy on your tongue is this malty, somewhat sweet presence, and it, it carries you through the rest of the beer. And there's other flavors that are coming and going on the top, like the, the freeness is going, a little bit of vinous quality, mm-hmm. maybe a slight amount of bitterness. But it's that maltiness that really carries you through. But it's very drinkable. It has a certain amount of dry pucker. Like The more I drink it, the more my cheeks are kind of sucking in. Get kind of that chalky feeling. A bit of, a bit get of that a... chalky feeling on your cheeks and on your yeah. tongue. So it's like very exceedingly dry because you're starting to feel chalkiness, like sensation. Yeah, I definitely agree. So Wednesday, I went down to East End Brewing Company. Tom Baker came into town from Heavyweight uh-huh. and brewed something wacky. Okay. As is, and Tom said, can I brew something wacky? And Todd said, Scott said, sure. <laughs> We brewed a kvass, Russian beer made from stale bread. <laughs> it's a little bit of a hybrid. We didn't use purely, strictly, you know, stale bread. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tuesday night, went down to the brewery, started slicing up 30 loaves of rye bread for the, the Wood Street Bakery baked for uh, this thing. We uh, put them in some large homebrew kettles and added boiling water. So we soaked the stuff overnight at like mash type temperatures, mm-hmm. dissolving a bunch of starches and other goodies from from the wort. The um, the grain bill on the beer was um, some pale Turo, uh, fifty five pounds of rye malt. This is for a seven and a half barrel batch. Fifty five pounds of rye malt and like ten pounds of brown malt, which is it's a very interesting malt that uh, I haven't come in contact with before, but uh, Tom's used in a couple of his beers. It's kind of a mix between. A pale malt and a chocolate malt, but it's not stewed like a caramel is. So caramel gets that sweetness because it's killed at high humidity, uh-huh. and the moisture kind of stews, and some of the starch conversion takes place there. Uh, brown malt's done in a dry kiln, and it only like lightly roasted. So it's darker than a Munich or something like that. Very interesting flavor. Lots of toast, lots of coffee. It's a really interesting malt. So that was the malt beer, malt bill. As it was mashing, we started draining out the the bread juice, for lack of a better term. It was this uh, this white, cloudy mixture that smelled and tasted a little bit like rye bread, but it was really, really salty. And we added that to the uh, the brew kettle with the first runnings of the runoff from the mash. We added the the bread goo, you know, the solid part of the bread, this gelatinous mess that was a total pain to manage and to move around. We put that in the mash so we could get some more goodies out of that. We boiled it for only 30 minutes, barely put in any hops, and uh, fermenting with brewer's yeast. And uh, it was a very interesting thing, and we're going to have to see how this beer turns out. On Beer Advocate, there was only one kvass listed on the website. (laughs) 
and it's like not even available in the country. You wow. like have to go to Russia to get it. So it's pretty cool. Hopefully, it turns out good. Tom, uh, when we were uh, at Tom's place, and he first mentioned you know the Skavaz, you know Peggy, his wife, was like, "Was that the one that turned out bad?" <laughs> so he he tried making it with all bread because that's one of the like one of the traditional methods mm-hmm. of kvass is to take all your bread, soak it, and let it spontaneously ferment. These are very low alcohol beers, like from one percent to three percent. Uh-huh. The one we got, I'm not sure where it's going to come out. I wasn't really around when they were doing the. Uh, Recipe formulation. I was talking with some other people, but it's going to be between three and four. I think it's going to be a low alcohol, uh, crazy beer. Hopefully, some rye character follows through with it. Wow, should be pretty wacky. That sounds crazy. And that's going to be available in taps all around it's going to be Pittsburgh. Taps all around Pittsburgh and at the brewery. Yeah. So everyone else who can't come to Pittsburgh, you're out of luck. You're not going to be able to taste like one of North America's first commercially brewed kvasses. <laughs> It's about time we rank. So when Tom says wacky, now you got an idea what he means. There's wacky for you. Well, you know, I'm very surprised by what my number one pick is. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and it's because there, there's kind of a... Well, I should stop justifying and just say it's a Shiner Kolsch. I really enjoyed the fruity, the fruity character of the Kolsch, which is what I look for in a Kolsch, combined with the drinkability. Very drinkable, had that freeness to it. Had uh, you know, it's more than just a, a, a malty lager, which is you know, like I say, I love malty lagers. I, li- I really like lagers a lot. But if I want a Kolsch. I want something that really says I'm a Kolsch. Right. The other one that really said I'm a Kolsch is the Hales Kolsch, which is very good. Had a lot of uh, character to it, but is not quite as drinkable as a Shiner. So it doesn't really fall quite in the same level. Now this Alaskan Summer Ale is third on my list. And that's just, it's malty. Uh, it's a little bit more malty than I would expect from a Kolsch. But it's very drinkable. Very goes down very easy. And it has some of the Kolsch character. And lastly, the Pyramid Kolsch, which I just felt, I don't know, it it just wasn't, it, it didn't fit with the other three. It didn't, it wasn't quite there. Right. Um, see, some of my comments. I'm, see, I'm, I'm going to struggle with how to rank these. I really like the flavor on the Hales. But it perhaps might be too estery to really be a good Kolsch. There's tons of esters, mm-hmm. tons of flavor in there. And I really like it. Now, to judge it against other Kolsches might not be fair. Right? If I was judging yeah. this, you know, best Kolsch, I actually might think that that might have gone overboard with the esters in the beer. I really like that one. I really thought the Shiner Kolsch was, well, it surprised us because yeah. we really didn't think too highly of Shiner because we had the Shiner Bach and, well... <laughs> yeah, didn't care for that. Um, which do I put higher? I mean, In, I, I flat out enjoyability. I like the the hails better. Okay, whether it's too estery for the style or not, I don't care right now. It, it was a better beer. So uh, hails number one, shiner number two, Alaska number three, pyramid number four. I just felt like for me, the only thing that was keeping shiner from number one was my prejudice, mm-hmm. and so I said, okay, we'll, we'll dump that out. If right. I didn't have if I didn't have the names in front of me, how would I just how would I put them? And that's then that's the order out. Right. If it was a blind taste, best you could yeah. imagine, you would do a blind taste. I understand. No, the Colch, the Shiner was very good, but I just liked the flavors, the complexity that was in the hails. And now, if I was like checking off the 
aspects on the BJCP list over here, I might have to deduct points because the hails possibly yeah. could be too estuary. I can see that. Well, that's it for the show. We did a cold show. Yes, we got one. I'm really happy. I'm very pleased. What are we doing next week? Oh, God knows. Um, got all kinds of beers. So we'll have to figure that out. Keep uh, keep an eye on the upcoming beers on the website, and you'll get an idea. Because I don't know right now. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next week. Or tune in for the post show where we talk a bit about Lost and some other fun stuff.